Welcome to the Commune Podcast. My name is Jeff Krasno. This week, we deviate from our usual cadence and bring you another course from the Commune Library. As you may know, in addition to being a podcast, Commune is also a video course platform featuring a wide range of courses from top authors, thought leaders, teachers, and doctors on personal growth, yoga, meditation, spirituality, functional medicine, nutrition, and social impact. Essentially, everything that you need to be holistically well. One of our all-time most-watched programs is Dr. Mark Hyman's course on hacking your healthcare. In this course, he explains how to work with your current doctor to harness the power of functional medicine and tackle the root causes of chronic disease. He will share exactly what questions to ask your doctor as well as what tests might be helpful in your situation. Over the next five days, we will be releasing the first five parts of Dr. Hyman's series. Now, if you want to watch the full video version of the course, which includes 10 core lessons plus FAQs and lots of downloadable worksheets, well, then I encourage you to go to onecommune.com health and sign up for a free trial of Commune membership. That's O-N-E commune.com slash health. There you can sign up for 14 days of free all access to Commune's course library, including the full-length version of Hacking Your Healthcare. We always email you before your free trial is up, but if you continue on to become a Commune member, well, thank you. Our members are a key reason we are able to create and share free content like this. And if you regularly tune into this podcast, I also ask that you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher. Tap follow show and leave us a review. It really does make a huge difference. And now here's day five, where Dr. Hyman covers some of the big issues with current health testing and how to ensure that you get a comprehensive cardiac screening. Welcome to day five. It's Dr. Hyman back here with you, ready to talk to you about one of the most mistreated chronic conditions in this country, heart disease. Now the current way doctors treat heart disease is pretty misguided because they treat the symptoms, not the causes. To think we can treat heart disease by lowering cholesterol, lowering blood pressure, and lowering blood sugar alone is like mopping up the floor while we leave the faucet running as the sink overflows. We have to deal with the cause of those problems, not just suppress those numbers with drugs. Instead, we need to ask what's causing the high blood pressure? What's causing the high blood sugar or abnormal cholesterol in the first place? Spoiler alert, these are not medication deficiencies. It's not a statin deficiency or, or an insulin deficiency or, or a blood pressure medication deficiency. We have to treat these problems with medications, but studies have increasingly shown that by reducing these risk factors, there is very little benefit, if at all, for many people. Research shows that by changing your lifestyle, you can have a more powerful intervention to prevent heart disease than any medication. Now, since functional medicine is all about prevention, 
We need to make sure that you're equipped to take responsibility of your health and track your risk for heart disease so we can intervene before anything ever develops. The thing is that the approach to reversing heart disease is the same as preventing it. So how does a functional medicine doctor interpret the test that can help you understand your risk for heart disease? They start with some basic lab tests. We're going to start with the most basic, but also the most controversial topic in medicine, cholesterol. There is so much misinformation out there about cholesterol and heart disease that it may seem like an impossible topic to navigate, but we're going to try to simplify it here for you. Statins, these are the drugs used to treat high cholesterol, are the second most commonly prescribed drug in the world. One of the most common questions that functional medicine doctors get is, should I be put on a statin? Now, unfortunately, the calculator that estimated the number of people that should be taking statins was wrong. Whoops, <laughs> it recommended statins to far more people than it would help. The new guidelines increase the number of people that are eligible for statins by 30%. Now these guidelines were developed often with conflict of interest from the drug industry. Now this is a huge issue because statins are not without side effects. I mean, if it was like vitamin C and you could take it, no problem, I would say don't worry. But it is not free of side effects. I'm going to suggest going to a website. It's called www.the nnt.com. That's number needed to treat, which is looking at the real data around statins and cholesterol by independent scientists, not ones who are funded by the drug industry. And what they show is that not one single person will prevent a death from heart disease by taking a statin if you've not already had a heart attack. And that you will need to treat 89 people who have elevated cholesterol who will take this statin for five years to prevent one heart attack. And that means that 88 people who take the statin will get no benefit over five years. Now, many who take that statin with no heart benefit, the 88, nine, 88 or the 89 people, they're going to have significant side effects, including diabetes, muscle pain, sexual dysfunction, cognitive dysfunction, and more. So it's not really a great drug. If I had to treat 89 people with an antibiotic to cure just one person with a bladder infection, that would not be a very good drug. You see, statins do something that we don't want in our life. Statins poison our mitochondria. These are the parts of the cell that are responsible for producing energy in the body. This is why the number one side effect is muscle pain. It's like you just ran a marathon and your muscles hurt. Even in patients who have no muscle pain, and her, whose tests of muscle enzymes are normal. Biopsy studies have shown that every person who takes statins gets muscle damage. See, statins can impair our ability to produce energy, and they also knock out the pathway in the body that's responsible for producing some of our sex hormones. Yes, your sex hormones are made from cholesterol. Now, this may lead to low hormone levels like progesterone and testosterone. And as we learned yesterday, low testosterone levels are becoming the norm. Statins also may increase your risk of mild cognitive impairment or cognitive dysfunction. Are statins the only thing that can reduce your risk of heart disease? Not even close. Daily consumption of dark chocolate has been shown to reduce the risk of heart disease by 45 to 77% and the side effects are good, it's yummy. And a handful of nuts a day may reduce your risk by 20 to 30%. Drinking a liter of olive oil a week 
same thing, about 30%, as much as a statin. I also want to emphasize that I'm not saying that statins are not suitable for some people, but what I'm saying is that you need to be educated on what to ask your doctor about and what additional tests you should get done prior to initiating any statin therapy. You need to know your own body, you need to know what your risk factors are, you need to know what all your numbers are, and you need to make an educated decision with your doctor. Only people at high risk for heart disease who've had a heart attack or people with genetic cholesterol disorders should take a statin. So let's get into the weeds and talk about what different cholesterol measurements actually mean so you can be more informed if you're having a discussion with your doctor about cholesterol or statins. All right, cholesterol. One of the biggest myths out there is that high cholesterol is the enemy. In fact, 75% of heart attacks occur in people with normal LDL cholesterol levels. That is the number that doctors treat with a statin. So there may be something else that's driving heart disease. See, cholesterol becomes problematic when it's damaged by free radicals, where it oxidizes or goes rancid. This occurs when there's underlying inflammation in the body from things like a lack of exercise or high sugar starch diets or belly fat or stress or poor sleep or even environmental toxins. Thus, the goal should always be to find the cause. This is where functional medicine shines. We are the cause finders. We're like the medical detectives. Now, this doesn't mean that cholesterol doesn't matter. It just means that we need to take all of our risk factors into account and look at the person as an individual. We don't just treat the LDL if it's high with a statin and forget about it, right? Let's go through what a lipid panel tells us and let's talk about it a little more in detail. Most of the cholesterol panels that are done by your doctor are outdated and they don't tell you the real story. I would demand the right test. It's called an NMR test from LabCorp or Cardio IQ from Quest. There is no other cholesterol test your doctor should run. And by the way, probably 99% of cholesterol tests that are run are not these tests. So the first number on a lipid panel is the total cholesterol. Now this number doesn't tell us much because it lumps together HDL and LDL, what we call the good and the bad cholesterol, although it's a little more complicated than that. And it doesn't differentiate between the particle number and particle size, which we'll talk about in a minute. It's so important. That's the most important thing to know. However, ideally, your cholesterol should be under 200. But again, this matters less than the overall profile. If your total is 300, but your HDL, your good cholesterol is 100, and all the other numbers are great, then you may not have to worry at all. But if your cholesterol is 150, and your HDL is 30, then you're at super high risk of a heart attack. Now, HDL is known as good cholesterol because it sweeps up like a vacuum cleaner all the cholesterol from the arteries and delivers it back to the liver for processing. HDL should be over 50 for men and over 60 for women. But unfortunately, there's the possibility of having dysfunctional HDL, meaning that the HDL level you have looks okay, but it's not working properly. This is why we never look at one number. We look at the entire person. If we see an elevated HDL far above the goal range with high inflammatory markers, which we'll discuss in a little bit, then the good guy, or HDL, might not be as good as we thought. LDL, which has been coined the bad cholesterol, should ideally be less than 100. But again, this is not the whole story. There are many forms of LDL that are much less concerning than other forms. The same for HDL, and that's why it's essential for your doctor to do this NMR profile. So let's look at the NMR lipid profile. It's super helpful. So what we look at here is we'll see 
the LDLP. Now, this is something your doctor usually never measures. LDLP is the number of particles, as opposed to the LDLC, which is your cholesterol. So this looks like your cholesterol is 98, which seems okay, but your particle number is 1,237. Anything under 1,000 is good. So it's got a little more particles. You also look at the HDL, the triglycerides, and the total cholesterol. So you get an idea of what this normal range is. But what we want to look at more is, is this, which is the actual size. So you can see here you've got HDL particles, which should be above a certain number. You don't want a lot of the small particles. So you can have LDL that looks like a normal lumber, like it's under 100, but it's made up of almost 500 small particles. That could be dangerous. You want under 90, ideally. And the size you look at of the particles. So we look at the size of HDL, LDL, triglycerides, all the numbers, and we can tell what a person's risk is, and they can have, quote, normal cholesterol, but still be at high risk. So this is a little sophisticated, a little complicated. I've written a lot about it in the books. So there'll be reference materials about this, but this is the test you want to do for your cholesterol. There is no other test to do. Now, this profile will break down the LDL to get the real scoop on what your actual risk for heart disease is. See, LDL has been termed the bad cholesterol. However, this isn't true of all LDL. In the past, we were only concerned with the LDL amount. In fact, it was a weight, it's the weight of your cholesterol. But in that weight, you could have, for example, a thousand small particles that are dangerous, or you can have a hundred large fluffy particles like beach balls that don't do anything, and it's the same number you get on your regular blood tests. So just as a reminder, in the past, we were only concerned about the LDL amount, but it turns out the number of particles and the size of those LDL particles has a much bigger predictive risk on your risk of heart disease. So the small, dense LDL is problematic. They're like little dangerous BBs or golf balls that can damage your arteries, where you could have large, big, fluffy LDL, and that's gonna bounce off your arteries like a beach ball. In addition, someone with low LDL cholesterol could also have a high number of small LDL. In other words, you can say your LDL looks normal, it's 70, but it's made up of all these small, dense LDL particles, which is super dangerous. So you get a false sense of security. I've seen this over and over again, where it looks like it's ideal or normal with a regular doctor looking at it. But when you peel the hood back and you go, wait, what, what's going on? You'll see these small, dense LDL particles. And that's because these small, dense particles can squeeze in between the arteries, can actually cause inflammation, and create the cycle of heart disease. Now, as we said before, the ideal value for LDL is less than 100, but it's more important to look at the total particle number. That should be under 1,000. And the small LDL particle number, which should be less than 400 or even lower. I've seen people less than 90. So the takeaway here is that measuring your LDL, which most doctors do, is just not enough. You need to know what your LDL particle number is, and you need to know the number of small particles or large particles. And that'll give you a much better idea of your risk of a heart attack. So this test measures HDL and triglyceride size and particle number, which matters a lot. See, small LDL and many particles, along with the small HDL and large triglyceride particles, and the triglycerides are a little different, you want the large ones are not good, that indicates prediabetes or type 2 diabetes. And we're going to address that in the next video. See, in addition to the NMR profile, there's also a test to see whether the LDL you have is damaged or not. See, oxidation is a term used when LDL becomes damaged and can cause harm to the artery walls. And that causes plaque formation, it causes narrowing our vessels, and is one of the biggest contributors to heart disease. We now have the technology to measure how much of our LDL 
is oxidized or rancid. Oxidized LDL of less than 60 is a sign of not an increased risk of heart disease. The days of just running a normal lipid profile and prescribing a statin without examining all these other markers and more we'll learn about is really malpractice in my view. It's outdated medicine. So finding a doctor who can use these up-to-date tests, who knows about these advanced tests is really essential. And many conventional doctors are now using these because it's available through regular labs. Now everybody is obsessed with high cholesterol, but the truth is that low cholesterol can also be a problem. It can be problematic, often more problematic than high cholesterol. You see, low cholesterol may lead to increased suicide attempts, depression, impulsive behavior, just to name a few. In fact, when you have low cholesterol, you're not making your hormones, you're having, not having fat for your brain, it's really important. In fact, women with low cholesterol have a 16 times greater risk for attempted suicide than women with normal cholesterol. This is because cholesterol is the building block for our hormones in even some nutrients like vitamin D, which are essential for mood stabilization. 25% of the cholesterol in our body is in the brain. It's in the brain for a reason. It's essential for coding our nerves so we can ensure we can send great messages across our, our nerve cells and, and our nerve pathways. So when it comes to cholesterol, lower is not necessarily always better. And lastly, triglycerides are another important measurement you're gonna find on a standard lipid profile. Triglycerides should ideally be under 100 or even under 70. Uh, most labs say under 150 is fine. I don't think that's true. Triglycerides are often high because of a high carb diet. That's starch, sugar, flour, all that. You can look at your ratio of triglycerides to HDL. This is a ratio that's actually more predictive of heart disease than almost any other ratio on your cholesterol panel. And again, most people don't look at it. This ratio should be under two. Some say under one, meaning your, let's say your HDL should be 70 and your triglycerides should be 70. If your triglycerides are 140 and your HDL is 70, maybe it's okay, but you still want to lower triglycerides. If it's over two, you almost certainly have what we call carbohydrate intolerance. That's right, fat's not the issue. Fat doesn't cause the fat in your blood to go up. It's the sugar and starch that screw up your cholesterol, believe it or not. Processed carbs, sugar, even just starchy vegetables can be a problem if you eat a ton of potatoes. And that tells you that you have carbohydrate intolerance and that's what's driving these abnormal blood tests. So if you have extra belly fat or you're pre-diabetic or you have type two diabetes and you have elevated triglycerides and low HDL, then you should definitely focus on eating a higher fat, lower carbohydrate diet. So now we've discussed blood cholesterol and lipids. I wanna emphasize that the standard lipid panel is outdated, don't get it. Find a doctor who does the right test. We always wanna get only an NMR profile from LabCorp or a Cardio IQ from Quest. That will help us find out what kind of LDL, HDL, triglycerides we have, and it'll give us the right information to know what to do. And we also wanna know about inflammation in the body, which that also can lead to more inflamed arteries and is actually the driver of heart disease. In fact, in studies they found that if you have a high level of inflammation, even if you don't have high cholesterol, you're at risk for heart disease. And if you have a high level of cholesterol and no inflammation, there's no risk of heart disease. So it's really more important to look at the whole picture. Now let's talk about that marker of inflammation. And this is a test that's been well studied in relation to heart disease. It's called CRP or C-reactive protein. It's something made in your liver. It's a marker of chronic inflammation. So this test called CRP or high sensitivity CRP is a critical test to run for everybody, but especially 
if you're worried about heart disease, especially if you have elevated cholesterol, which will help you calculate your actual risk for heart disease. Because as we just learned, a conventional lipid panel alone is not enough to determine your risk. In addition to CRP, homocysteine is another marker to look at for heart disease. It can indicate problems with folate metabolism, and when it's elevated, it can be inflammatory. An elevated homocysteine level is a risk factor for Alzheimer's and heart disease, cancer, and much more. It should be ideally between six to eight. It's related to our levels of B6 and B12 and folate. So if your doctors see a high homocysteine level, they may put you on these supplements to help reduce the level. But again, most doctors don't test for it. There's another set of markers for heart disease that are important order, and they can be ordered through a conventional lab test. It's called ApoB and ApoA1. ApoB is an indicator of bad cholesterol or LDL. ApoE1 is a marker that's based on HDL, which is the good cholesterol. And the ratio of those is really important. You can go one step further and look at the ratio of ApoB to A1, which gives us a much more accurate risk predictor than looking at either one alone. In fact, ApoB to A1 is one of the most accurate measurements for heart disease. Now, it should be less than 0.8. Here's the thing with ApoB to A1. ApoB is elevated not from eating fat, it's elevated from eating starch and sugar, from having diabetes, from having belly fat. So you can see a theme here that the issue around heart disease is not fat, it's sugar and starch. It's diabetes, it's not cholesterol. It's triglycerides and HDL, not so much LDL. So there's another thing we should look at if you have a risk of heart disease, it's called fibrinogen. That's a marker for heart disease. And this is a protein that's involved in clotting. So we wanna make sure that it's not too high. See, if it's elevated, it's a marker of reduced blood flow, of blood stickiness, of blood more likely to clot. So fibrinogen is a marker of blood flow or how thick or sticky your blood is. And we want your blood flow to be smooth and undisturbed so that nutrients and oxygen can get in our tissues, especially our brain and our heart, without any issue. And to make sure that the blood doesn't clot, which is actually what causes a heart attack. It's a blood clot. Ideally, fibrinogen should be less than 300. If your fibrinogen is elevated, you may have other elevated inflammatory markers like CRP. If that's the case, you need to find the source of the inflammation. And again, for most people, the source of the inflammation is belly fat, is diabetes. See, fibrinogen gets lowered when people are often taking enough of the good fats too. These are things like omega-3s from fish oil. And when you address the causes of inflammation, the fibrinogen comes down. So even if you have elevated markers, there's so much we can do to lower them. All right, now there's another marker that's a little harder to deal with. It's called LP little a. It's an important marker because it's genetically determined for the most part. And it may be more problematic than even LDL, and it seems to be the new villain in heart disease. If you have a family history of heart disease and your lipid panel shows elevated LDL, then this is a must-order test. In fact, I do it as a screening on everybody as a cardiovascular risk assessment. LP little a has more to do with genetics than it does with diet. However, there are natural therapies that can help lower your LPA and reduce your risk of ever developing heart disease in the first place. Ideally, your LP little a should be less than 30. And one of the therapies that's been found to reduce LPA is niacin, which is a B vitamin. There are other therapies too that are natural. Now, the last test I wanna to touch on here briefly is carotid intima medial thickness, or CIMT. Now, this is an ultrasound test where you basically run an ultrasound on your neck, and it looks at the plaque in the arteries in your neck, which is associated with heart disease or cardiovascular risk. This test is super important for at-risk people because we wanna know 
how inflamed the vessels are and how much plaque you've created over time. If we can get insight into what is going on in the vessels in your neck, then we're also going to get a good idea of what's happening in your heart or your brain since they're all connected. And ideally, if you're over 50 and you have a family history of heart disease or a lot of risk factors, you should get another test. It's called coronary calcium score. It's a special high-speed CAT scan and it looks at the calcium around your arteries and this reflects inflammation and heart disease. Now, I know that heart health testing can seem kind of overwhelming and a bit confusing, but heart disease markers are one of the most controversial topics in medicine and it's difficult to navigate on your own. So that's the reason I want you to work with a good practitioner who understands how these markers all work together. They're gonna to be able to look at your entire biochemical picture and help you make an informed decision about what is going on with your health and not just focus on LDL. We're so LDL centric. We wanna look at all these biomarkers and get a real picture of what's going on and combine that with all these other variables, your family history, your genetics, and much more. All right, in the next video, we're gonna talk about metabolic syndrome or prediabetes or diabetes, which has now become an epidemic in the modern world. It affects one in two people. And last but not least, congratulations. You've made it halfway through the course and you're well on your way to becoming CEO of your own health and getting the kind of health care that you need and that you want. And with that, I'll see you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to this excerpt from Dr. Mark Hyman's course on hacking your healthcare. If you want to watch all 10 days of this course, plus access downloadable worksheets and bonus content, well then go to onecommune.com health and sign up for a free trial of commune membership. That's O-N-E commune.com health. There you can sign up for 14 days of free all access to commune's course library including the full-length version of Hacking Your Healthcare. Feel free to email me with any suggestions and criticism of the constructive variety at jeffk at onecommune.com. Okay, that's all from the commune for today. My name is Jeff Krasno, and I am here for you.